welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. I don't really know what happened there. <laughs> good evening, everyone. Good afternoon, good morning, and good night. My name is C.J. Reynolds, and this is Sunday Night Teacher Talk, which is a show that was created to help educators on what is often the most anxiety-ridden night of the week. Um, and so we are we are coming to you live today from my school. I'm up here. I have to get. I was up here to do another job, and uh, I thought, you know, time was going to be tight, so let's just do it. Let's just do it from the classroom. Which my room. I can't even move my computer around. Really, so I'm afraid my battery's going to come charge. But it is such a disaster area in here. I won't get you, wife. Like my <laughs> shelves, the lights are all ripped off. Um, I did get new carpet, but that led to like they broke my tree. The whole front of my tree came off, and the side of it, well, you can't really see it, but like if you this piece right here is not off. supposed to be like that. So um, I have to fix all this stuff and make sure the lights work. And like as Laura Green said, I got to do, I got to take my own advice. So I gave everyone yesterday. Um, as we get into this, I want you to know that like why we're here, why we even started this, if you're, this is your first time, the whole idea behind what we're doing with Real Rap with Reynolds, which really just means real talk, right? So real, this is what my students refer to as real talk, is to help teachers be the teachers they're called to be. And that can, that can be difficult, right? It can be difficult when you feel like um, you're being pushed to, to be one way, but you know that you have something to unlock inside of you and we're just here to, to do two things. The one, maybe help you unlock some of that stuff. And two, we are a community of educators. Like we really believe that education is a communal activity. And so we show up here every Sunday all together. And then um, this, is, this is what we do. Uh, if you have a question, you can just put it in the chat. I don't have the live feature on today. This was difficult enough to, to get together. Um, sorry, I'm distracted. I thought I had two of these boxes back here. Up there, I guess. There's so anyway, I'm so I'm, missing in your room. Your there's a table. lot of stuff. My coffee table's gone. I don't even know what's going on. There's a lot of stuff missing. But if you have a question, just put the uh, the word question in front of it or the letter Q would help us. Just helps when we're looking for stuff. Um, and I want to thank on the front end two groups of people. One, there are a lot of people that help make this happen, right? So there are my friends that are in the chat, like the the trade, you know, Trace Pinder's just listening in today. She's living that bougie life on some lake somewhere. But, uh, you know, Chris Carson and Maisha and who else is on YouTube Laura side? Green. Laura Green holds down Facebook. Edie is, helps with this. The Not-So-Secret Wife helps with this. So there are a lot of people that help make this happen. I really appreciate it. And I want to say thank you to everybody that yesterday was a part of the um, first ever. We had it yesterday. It was, it was, I think it was good, right? I'm waiting to hear feedback from people. A lot of folks I've gotten feedback from already, but it was, it went three hours. Um, I was, it was just, it was awesome. So it was the first ever workshop that we had. Um, we're going to send out some information and see if anyone's interested in doing some in the future, but just thank you so much for showing up. So with that, ready? Yeah. What you got? Uh, daylight crap. Classroom. My buddy, I haven't heard from him in a minute. 
uh, he is asking, it's good to be back. Storytelling helps keep students engaged in any class. How do you make it flow properly without becoming too much fluff? Do you start units with it or tie them in at the end? I do all of the above. <laughs> I, I, I think stories. I heard something the other day that was like, most people are influenced, sold, taught, um, that they learn 2% of people through just information. They can just be given the information, they download it into their brain. Those are those kids I think that like show up and they can just regurgitate anything they want on a test just by like, you didn't even know they were listening, but they just have that skill. The other folks are, the other 98% learn through story, which is why, you know, people that learn through, through which is why like people love movies. They love TV. They, they There's things that they can learn through there, right? So whether that's a documentary or whether it's just something you're picking up on about life through a film, it is that it's story that we that we learn through. So I attach everything I'm doing to various stories. But I will say this, bro, like I'm just naturally like I come from a long line of storytellers, right? This is uh, it, and it, it's almost on a level of hilarity. Like my brother's a storyteller. Um, all of my uncles are storytellers. My grandparents are storytellers. So it's just what I naturally do. But I think it's a great thing to get students to connect and start connecting their own stories to what's going on in a book, in a word problem, in a class, in a film. Because when we can connect on that level, then that what you're doing takes on a new life because it's like, oh, like I can see myself or see my grandparents or see my friends or see that thing in there. And I think that that is, is huge. So that's, that's how I roll. I love he's on here. Well, he was at one point. Is he? Yeah. What up, Adam? Welcome. Um, I'm sorry. Bob, I don't like having my top left. What is this? What are we off today? We're not off. Like, like yesterday, we worked all day after the workshop, and the kids were like, so are we just chilling today? I'm like, no, that's not chilling today. I've got 100 things to do, and i got to work all day tomorrow, too, because um, I have stuff to do all day today. But tomorrow, we are going tubing um, on the Delaware River, so I'm excited about that. All right. Our next question is from Scott. Um, Scott is asking, what tips do you have to compress once you get home? I go straight from work mode to dad mode and don't seem to have enough time to make the transition without it feeling so taxing. Scott, that's <laughs> a great question. I laugh at this question. I just remember when our kids were little, and I was like a full stay-at-home mom, I mean, which I am now, but for toddlers, and you would come home and you needed that like transition period, and I was so ready to just hand off kids to you be like, here you go. That's why dads go to the bathroom for 20 minutes. <laughs> I also giggled because that's literally my answer. It's like, what are you We're doing in there? Like, Nothing. No, just having a long time. <laughs> Even going to the bathroom? Maybe, maybe not. I might just be sitting on the edge of the shower. I don't know what's happening here. Um, I, so, Scott, I think that's a great question. And I know you have a real little one at home, too. But um, there are, when I think about how to handle that, I often think that, like, if I can, what I want to do, look, if you listen to like any sort of motivational speaker, right? So Tony Robbins would say, um, change your state, you change your mindset, right? So like, if you can get yourself hyped up, then you can, that's the swiftest thing you can do to change. So for me, it is thinking about two things. One, how am I going to do that, that shift? And two, uh, what is, what's going to give me energy? So instead of letting my kids drain my energy, I try to think of like, what, what can we do that's fun? 
when I get home, what can I do that's going to like liven me up? So I, I literally like I drive home. I don't listen to anything sad. I don't think listen to anything that's going to like make me tired because it might drive. I drive to school is not that bad. Drive home. Sometimes like 45 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour if there's really bad traffic in West Philly or if it's like a Friday and there's shore traffic and stuff like that. It's that's uh, shore is Jersey for beach. Um, so that can take longer and then I get more tired. So I do a couple of things. One, I listen to something upbeat, something that's exciting on the way home. Two, uh, I'm nice enough to have a wife that I call uh, when I'm like 10 minutes out and I go, can you put coffee on so that I can live? And then um, I will go home and I find something to do with my kids that's like, you know, like I get changed, I try and get changed on my school stuff and then um, like go for a walk because I know that like that's the last thing I really want to do or like take, take the kids to a park or take a bike ride or go to the pool or like in the beginning of the year anyway. Um, there are things that I can do that are going to wake me up that are going to help me change my state. And then that helps me transition, at least when I had real little kids. Now it's a little bit different because no one like no one tackles my legs when they come in anymore. They don't even care that I'm not unless they want something from me. But it is uh I think that's the best piece of advice I can give. Wait, could like, you please tell Scott about your um lazy dad games? Because I feel like these Oh are lazy dad games are when yeah, you're really tired from or transitioning. Yes. So when you're really tired, I have had moments where um I've been asked to play Minecraft and I could not keep my eyes open. So I would have the controller and I would just hit the dig button and just dig down <laughs> for like a long time. And the kids are like, What are you doing? I'm like, I'm just working on some working on special underground layer. And they're like, Your eyes open? I'm like, Yeah, my other eye is open. Um, or I would uh have the kids like draw on my feet or draw on my back. And I'd be like, Hey, um, you should make a, a, like, see if you can like, or like sometimes with their fingers, sometimes with like a washable Crayola marker. And I'm like, um, write a word on dad's back and I'll see if I can figure out what it is or draw a picture on dad's back. I'll see if I can figure out what it is. Um, stuff like that stuff. Like when they were little, just get like, it's, get a cat toy, like stick with string with a feather on the end, throw it out. They have to go try and find it. Um, or I would go upstairs and I would hide gold coins, um, in all different places upstairs. And then their job was to take my phone and go take picture, find them, leave them there. But you got to go take a picture of where, or I would take, here's what I would do. Hide the coins. I take a dozen pictures of where they are, but they're real close up. So you don't know, you're like, where's that piece of fabric or where's that corner or where's that shoe? And then you have to go find them while I take a short nap on the, on the couch. Um, and that's, those are just a few of my uh, not so extraordinary dad games. Okay, our next question comes Forgot about from those. Mallory Draws. Uh, she's asking, I love your book so much, CJ. I bought copies for my entire admin oh, team. What are your top three books you think every educator should read? Oh, first of all, I appreciate that. Um, gosh, I mean, yeah, I can't even say enough about how much I appreciate that. But I think if I was starting out, I think, um, Anything by Wraith Esquith, but I started, my first book of his was, I think it's called There Are No Shortcuts. Um, I think that's it. You can also look up, and it's probably entirely on YouTube. Uh, there is a movie called The Hobart, H-O-B-A-R-T, Shakespeareans. And it was a movie that, um, like a short documentary that PBS made about Wraith Esquith years and years and years ago. 
that was the first time I heard about him. Then I bought his books. There's also um, Teach Your Hairs on Fire and a bunch of other ones. Um, so that's number one, I think. So that's going to help you like there, there are some practical tips, but it really to me is like this is someone who's amazing at what they do. And I don't use that word very often, but he is amazing at what he was doing. And then um, I think I, he's my publisher, but Dave Burgess's book, Teach Like a Pirate. So I never read it, but when Dave, um, when I wanted to pitch my book to Dave, I was like, well, I should probably read his book before I do no, this. I don't think that's true. I think you had a contact sign to do the book. And, Did I? And then you read. And, and I was like, oh, I should probably check out yeah, his book. Yeah, I think you read his book after yours was well written. Yeah, I think it was written because I didn't want to be influenced by it, but it was so good. Like it's, it's so, so good. And Dave is literally like he's probably like the best education presenter I've ever seen in my life. And I'd say this, and I'm not just saying it because he was on here, but Adam Welcome is another one. Um, he has really great books and he is uh he is one of the best presenters I've ever seen too. But like Dave Burgess is it's like it's it's unbelievable. I mean Tracy Pinter was with me when it's we not saw just him. A talk, it's a whole show. Yeah, and Pinter was like, what the hell? What the hell yeah. just happened? Like bro, I don't even know what that was. It's so incredible. So Burgess's book, Teach Like a Pirate. And then I would say for heart, right? So for like doing the heart work, um, nothing has helped me as much as uh, the books by Father Gregory Boyle, who runs um, Homeboy Industries in, uh, I think it's like Southern Los Angeles somewhere, but it's a gang rehabilitation program. And he just has stories of like, with things like talking about kinship, building community, loving people for who they are, not for who we want them to be, like that sort of thing. And it's, he's just so great. Um, and that I think it has nothing to do with teaching, like pedagogy, but it has everything to do with the heart part of teaching and like showing up every day and having the energy and loving people for who they are right now and that sort of thing. So yeah. What you got, buddy? I'm just thinking the last time we were here, was when Michael Matera was with us. That's right. Oh my gosh, that was yeah. so long ago. He was in town for uh, ISTE, something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. All right, our next question comes from Gregory. How do you deal with an, an administrator who clearly doesn't like you or your teaching style, <laughs> but you know you are doing what's best for your student? Oh, geez. You're very qualified to answer this. I question. am. Uh, but I, Greg, I'll tell you what, man. One day. I'm gonna have I'm gonna I'm gonna have a book come out that I can just be transparent about stuff. I'll change everyone's name, but I had a principal for about three years um, that did not like me, and he wouldn't even say hi to me in the hallway. Like he would walk down the hallway. I say I'm out there every day. I'm the only person that is like like every like I won't say the only person because Flounders gets out there too, but like I am, I am consistently in the hallway saying hi to everybody that walks by and I don't just say hi. Like if you don't say hi to me, I give you what Pat Croce calls the, the sonic boom. Hello. That's a hi that's so loud that you can't even ignore that. I said it, but you know what he did. He'd ignore it all the time. And my boy hasty that used to stand next to me at, um, miss you hasty. Hasty would stand next to me at uh, the computer labs right next to my room. We'd stand out there together, and I would say hi to this individual, and Hasty would say hi also. He would ignore me, even though I said it first, and then he would just be like, oh, yo, what's up, Hasty?" Or what? 
I'm hurting my feelings, man. So, and I don't even know what happened. I don't know why that individual didn't like me. I liked them enough. Like it was just very weird. Here's, here's what, what it comes down to is that in your life, there are really, there are people that you're going to get along with and people you're not. There are teachers that like me. There are teachers that have not liked me. There are teachers that have really not liked me Um, for various reasons. Like sometimes that's because you like are, you're too extra. It's like, you know, I think I talked about this yesterday in the workshop, like, Oh, they look down at you at the hallway. Oh, Oh, look at us. We're putting stickers on kids again. We're putting eyeballs on. T- oh, great. We're going to have eyeball stickers. You know, we're going to have eyeball stickers all over the place again. Oh, Reynolds gave you a mustache to wear to class. Guess what? You can't wear it in here. I don't care. I don't. That's why giving kids mustaches. Um, things like. Are you holding my hand? Yeah, because it's probably annoying. To oh, oh I mom. forgot I was doing that. <laughs> I thought you were just holding my hand because you love me. Yeah, um, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm already talking about a sensitive topic. <laughs> so. You know, what I do with that is I have to get to a point where I don't care what they think. And here's how you do that, really, I think. You really do that by understanding that the work you're doing is important, that the kids you're working with are that important, that you have to be willing to do the thing that you're doing no matter what. Um, I've had some really embarrassing situations where that individual didn't like me, like the administrator. Um, was in, like it was embarrassing because I'd have guests come to the school and he wouldn't even say hi to them. He'd walk in my room, see what was going on, and leave, and they'd go, "Oh, who was that?" And I'm like, "Oh, I was the principal." Like, um, so, but I find that like if it's about like if I'm focusing on kids, remember that education is only ever about students. Then I am focused in on the fact that like what I'm doing is for kids. I don't care if you like this. Isn't about me. This isn't like you don't like my class of something I'm doing for me like this if it was if that was what it was if it, like I was some huge narcissist and I was like doing all this cool stuff because I wanted to be the cool teacher with the cool room and the cool class and I'm teaching hip-hop and I'm like you know with my my cool hair and like um some of that stuff is for me because I love myself and I have to be in this room all day but also it's like I'm doing this for kids like I want kids to enjoy being in school so to me that gives you the power and it gives you the courage to to keep going and to not care as much because you're doing it for kids. Kids deserve it. That's a book name. Too much to write a book. Sorry, I'm slow. Can you bring water? Let me get my water real quick. But I have a question for you. Bam, and I'm back. What do you relax, or what do you relax about the upcoming year when you do not have a team surround? around you to support you in a new subject so uh what do i do to relax i have been in that situation before i would suggest um i think that some of some of the best people i've ever met that are teachers are not teachers online or or not teachers in in real life like they're they're people that i know online and they're the sometimes those are the people that are so different from me that they um they they're so like not different from me we we're, we're like sort of like kindred spirits but like we are like don't teach together we're not even from the same school some of them I never even met in real life so when I think about you know that those are the folks that like I call those are the folks I ask questions to those are the folks that like because all of them are in the same 
you know, place too. I'll tell you that this year, going back, I have friends in school, but all of my like, you know, the people I hung out with the most are all gone this year. And so that is like has me thinking, like come back to school, like, damn, yo, who am I hanging out with like the most? Like some of my my true homies are still here, but like a lot of them are gone. Um so I think it's connecting with people online and I would look for people like in the Facebook group. I think that that's going to be a bunch of folks that are going to be like you or finding friends in the comment section here and just connecting. Uh, you know, we have, there's a whole, I know about groups on here that meet outside of this. They meet virtually, they meet in real life. They become like really good friends with one another. And I think that that's so special if so. And then, you know, I think what you do is you're just on the lookout. Um, for people that are doing great stuff. I will say this. I always think it's going to be a certain type of teacher. I'll, I'll, I'll say this, actually. There's no one that I get down with at my school that's really like me, right? It, and so I used to look for people that were like like me, right? So like the things that I'm interested in, the things I, that get me excited, the things that um whatever, like, they're, they're, I mean, I'd say fines was probably the closest to that or Yonkers, but like, they're not even like, we're not even that similar. Um, but it's fines is the closest. If you have to pick a similar person, it would be fine. Yes. Yes. But the other people, I think, um, I'm going to quote Jerry Maguire here. Um, they complete me. That's what Mm. they do. I think that like Cho and I were, had some things that we cared about similarly, but she was really strong in areas that I was weak. And so, and we sort of like fit together like that. And a lot of my friends at school are like that, where like they, we, we work together, not because we're the same, but because we help each other fill, like we help to fill each other's gaps so that we can, we can do the good work. So I think it's sometimes looking out for people that are like, like that. And then just trying to make friends, like go hang out with people. Like, why'd you start and asking them the questions? Like, why'd you start teaching? Why'd you get into education? Why, why you, that subject matter? Like what matters to you? Ask those sorts of questions and then see if you can find other people um, that you can really start to get down with. What you got, buddy? Um, Taking a lot of little notes over there. I always have this many notes. I right. don't see them. I don't. Um, Alex is asking, this is a two-part question. He says, first, we put teaching behind me. Looking to find my voice, how do you balance wanting to joke slash have fun with kids with mutual respect and accountability teaching 14-year-olds who are behind me? Um, My school is a special urban program for kids who are behind. It feels like a lot. It feels a lot like administration takes the military vibe with the kids, which feels a bit harsh, but maybe needed. So there's no one or the other. This isn't binary. Um, it is It is a both and. So as much as I, I think I come off as like just being really happy and loving and kind and nice online, in reality, that's not the only version of Reynolds that, that exists. And so one of the versions that exists is like, I just don't like, don't take my kindness for weakness. Like, I, like what I think what we're doing is so important as educators And the work that students are doing is so important in helping them to live the life that they dream of or the life that they're called to that. I take that so seriously that I don't play like like things piss me off. Like if you if you tease someone, if you're a bully, if you try to come at me and like, 
you know, with some nonsense or like um, you're, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you're trying to like purposefully disrupt class. Like, bro, no, we don't, I don't even play that stuff. And so in doing that, when I, when I'm like that, kids are always sort of in shock because they think like, it's like, you know, cause then the next minute I'm outside blowing bubbles or, or have puppets on my hands or doing something stupid, but it is, it's all comes from the same place. It all comes from a place of like me just wanting to try and like help you. So it's like, what do you need right now? So I'd say this, Alex, like, uh, I think, and I said this during the workshop yesterday too, but I think it's, it's a new insight that I have that I think uh, is important to share. Teachers got it twisted somewhere along the way. When we say that education is only ever about students, that is, that's it. That's the only thing. But teachers have this misconception that like, if they, get close with a kid that like that kid might like push them too far, ask for too much. They might be too needy. Um, what if they think we're friends? Then how do we do it? We're not friends. We never were friends. And maybe we will be one day when you graduate, but we're not right now. But the, and, and that might sound mean, but you know, if you look at a coach, if you use the word coach instead of teacher, right? If you have a coach, that's a basketball coach, football coach, field hockey coach, that coach can laugh with you. They can yell at you. They can, um, joke around with you. They can celebrate with you. They can be silly with you, but just because they like you doesn't mean you don't run laps just because they like you. Doesn't mean you get to miss practice just because they like you. Doesn't mean you can do whatever you want on the team, right? They, that I think coaches have a far better ability and to, to navigate some of those spaces with students. So when you come to my room, um, I'm coaching you, I'm using silliness uh, not just for silliness' sake, not not just to, to get you to like me. I'm using silliness because school sucks. Because shits run like 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 a military out here in the hallway, right? Like our, our schools often run like that too. And I just don't, I just don't buy into it, right? Like I, I need I, for me to be authentic, um, for me to be real, I have to be really who I am. But really, who I am is someone that is silly and fun and loving and caring. Um, unless you're out of pocket. Then it's got to be, that's why it's called real rap with Reynolds. Like then I got to get, it gets real with you too. So I think you start understanding that balance with students where it's like, but I will say this, there are times when I've raised my voice in class. There's times when I've yelled at students, right? Like, and some students need it. Like I have, I have a specific student in mind that doesn't listen. If I, if I could say 50 times, Hey, can you sit down? Hey, can you stop? Listen, let's have a real talk about this. Let's really have an open conversation. They don't listen to it. But if I go, yo, yo, I'm not going do not make me have a conversation with you again, please. Stop. Yep, stop. And I just stare at them in their eyes. My bad, Reynolds. My bad. And they, like, it's just what they needed. It doesn't even mean I'm mad, right? Like, sometimes I pretend that I have to, like, raise my voice with someone and I send them in the hallway for a moment. And then I turn around and go, is that, uh, is that convincing? And the kids are like, what? I thought you were really mad. I'm like, no. I, I let the students know. No student ever gets me mad. I don't ever let someone piss me off for real. That's not true. It's completely like it's a lie. But I don't want them to think that they have any control over me, like that I'm such a, a solid person that that they can't do that. So that, that's a long answer. But um, I think the, the truth was in there somewhere. He said it was very helpful. Thank you. Um, or rather, I'm glad. You're welcome. Um, okay. Our next question is from Ian. Oh, what happened? Good grief. Ian. Hold on. Hold on, Ian. <laughs> Coming. 
Yeah, I can find it. This is what we get for going scorned doing this, but I really had to get in. No, it's okay. Technical difficulties can happen sometimes. Um, okay, let me scroll back. Sorry. Take your time. This is long, CJ. Now's your moment. I am, I'm thinking about it. I'm also thinking about all the stuff that has to get done in this room um, and how I need to make a video okay, found it. about that. But yeah, even my paint is all gross. So many things missing. Like someone took the evacuation thing off the wall. Like for what they're doing. A cool. I can't read. Um, Ian is asking with long term assignments, how do you balance the needs of ESE and 504 students and being fair to potentially damaging schedules of other students? Um, I think, you know, let me see if there's a good way, to, that, a quick way that I can answer this because this, this is like a, so, so some here's here's the problem with this, Ian, is that it really is going to depend on the particular students that you have and what's going on with them, what their needs are, uh, what the assignment is, and how long you're looking to give them, and how complex it is. And there's all these different variables, right? That being said, I think it is a lot of times working with students to try and connect with them to see if they are, like, what do they need? to be able to find success in this. And then sometimes it's having a conversation with like their case manager or with, um, you know, if it's 504, like maybe someone from like the special education team, something like that. In connecting with those folks, you are building out a plan as to like what would be the best course of action. And then I think when, when making changes, right? So like there have been times when I've given certain kids like completely different projects and than everyone else has had. And when I do that, I always contact home because I want parents to know what's going on and I want them to know like what's being expected and when I'm available and all those sorts of things too. So it's really just trying to help students um, find success. But I think that they need to be a part of that. I think that conversation is oftentimes bigger than you. And that doesn't have to mean that someone has to sit down and do like a whole plan with you and it's this whole like long, arduous activity. I think it can be um, something that like is really quick, like, Hey, can you sit down with me for 10, 15 minutes today? I just want to run by a, a project with you to talk about this particular student. Cool. All right. Here's the project. Here's what I'm expecting. Here's what like of, of the, the majority of the class, I'm thinking this kid might need some tweaking. If you look at this, like, what would you say you would do? Or here's some ways I'm thinking about doing it. What would your, how would you add on to that? And so in doing that, what's what's beautiful is that you are connecting with other folks. You're doing something with other people, and you are helping meet the needs as a team. Because sometimes you just might not know, and sometimes I'll just bring like there's certain kids that like will bring up in uh, like the freshman grade level meetings and say, "Look, all right, how are we gonna? How are we making this a very unique experience for this particular student who has a hard time with X, Y, and Z?" And so that's that's typically how I go about that. I don't make the decision just by myself. I work with other folks. You left, man. I'm laughing at myself. Okay, here's our first question from I think it's Avery Gill. Yeah. First day teaching tomorrow. First of all, can we just say thank you so much for writing that in there because I'm horrible with names and it's, I really appreciate it. First day teaching tomorrow. I'll be part of a six teacher visual arts team at a high school. Our principal wants us to spend. 
the first two weeks getting to know the kids and doing fun activities with them. I have a few ideas, but what is something you are recommending doing? And then there's a whole other part. Also, thank you and everyone in this group for all the help to get me here. It's been a long journey, and I'm finally here. Awesome. Yay! First day tomorrow. First How day. exciting. So can I, can I just say something about first day? I, you know, take a lot of pictures. You're not going to remember any of your first year, right? I'm just thinking of, like, uh, like if, and I'm, I feel like Lopez would be a good person. John Lopez would, would speak to this, too. Is like, like, I wish I had more pictures of my first year. My second year, I have a ton of pictures from. I didn't take pictures or video of my first year. And this isn't for like the internet or put on YouTube or anything like that. It would just be like for my own personal well-being to see like, how was I? Like, because one of the beautiful things about doing YouTube is that you get to see over the years how you grow, how you change. There's videos I have now um, that I don't even do that stuff anymore. There are like policies and procedures and rules that I don't even do anymore that drastically changed and so um that you know I, I just think that's an interesting way to see how you grow with that um i things that i've done so here, here's here's three things i don't do icebreakers anymore or, or anything like that but what i do is i have the kids on the first day of school write letters to themselves i then take those letters that they gave they wrote to themselves the first day of ninth grade and I give those to them at graduation. And that's always super fun because they just didn't never remember that, they, that it, like that they did it. Most of them don't remember. And it's like this gift that you can give to them to show them like, hey, look, in just the last four years, like one, you did it. Like you're one, you're one of the kids that gets the letter. And two, um, you can uh, see how much you've grown and changed over the last four years. That's one. The second one is my life map project that I do where I talk, I have this in a video somewhere when, and I need to make a new one this year, but it's basically creating Google slides or, or a movie trailer about your life in 10 moments or less. So, or no, in, in 10 moments or more, right? So like between birth and now, how did you become the person that you are today? Someone was born, someone died, someone you moved, you went on a vacation, you played a sport, like you met your best friend, like what were the things in your life that made you who you are now? And that's a really great presentation that you can do. I've had kids do it on Flipgrid. I've had kids do it in person and create Google slides and present it. I've had kids create um, like a little movie around it. So that could be really fun too. A thing I used to do years ago, and this is like one of our first YouTube videos that we had. We used to do a thing called the trash in show which was, oh, I I forgot remember this? About it. Mm -hmm. So you bring in like old magazines, aluminum foil, duct tape, masking tape, pipe cleaners, all kinds of like random crap, mostly stuff that I would get at the dollar store. And then the kids would have a set amount of time to work as a team to create some sort of like, like outfit from it or like apparel. Yeah. And then we play music and we'd have a fashion show. We'd have a runway in the middle of the room. Oh, and the one kid that was the, that you picked to be the model from your group was like all dressed up in like this crazy outfit that they made out of all this crap. And then they'd walk like the, the catwalk in the classroom. And that was like a great way for kids to use their creativity, to do something silly, to do something together, to build teamwork. Um, but that was something that we used to do as well. A trash and show. Another question from Alex. 
How do you work with the teachers who seem to be threatened by kids preferring your class? Since I'm new, I think they feel it's particularly threatening to this teacher. Yeah, so Alex, it's a great question. Um, there's a part of my book where I talk about this, like it's, I call it uh, dealing with toxic teachers. and then they want the attention, then that's hurtful to people. You, one, um, acknowledge their greatness. Want to say something kind to them, to remind them that like the work that they're doing, uh, especially as a teacher, is so hard and it's so thankless so often. did this in class today, it sounded awesome. Or, hey, can you tell me about, uh, what were you guys doing today? Or like, how do you deal when kids like don't want to do something? Is then, you know, you, someone that is getting a lot of attention right now, you're going to someone else for help. I think the A speaker at the school whenever I have um, like a DJ come in whenever I have like different guests uh, and then oftentimes invite everyone into my room and not like through the email inviting people to my room but I will often do it where I sit in this and that you would love it uh, why don't you come to my class like at 1 p.m. today? We're going to. I think also is like people just want to be involved. So even if they didn't come up with the great. Uh, that's I think those two things will really help you like um, because what you're do like this, you have to remember this has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. So, you know, they used to be the best or the kids really like them or they just be around you. And so instead of being intimidated, cause that there's a really good chance it's going to happen to you at some point. Like there are parts of the year where kids love me and they're always in my room. There's certain classes that I really get down with. And then there's other times when someone new comes in, the kids are all talking about Mr. And Mrs. So-and-so. And they're like, that's really their name, by the way. Um, they, and how awesome they are. And there's part of me that is like, oh, I thought I was your um, and then I have to remember, like, no, who cares? Like, this isn't about me anyway. And I need to, like, like well, I should go hang out with that teacher, too, then, if they're so awesome. What you got? All right. Alex is running with another one. Let's go. Um, Let's any, go, Alex. Personal mentoring session. <laughs> any recommendations on education gaming websites or ways to integrate gaming into the methodology? I teach civics currently. So I would say I have a hard time with this because my students aren't one-to-one. I do incorporate stuff. And last year we did a lot of Kahoot, but that really wore itself out. Um, I think that if I was going to send you anywhere, um, my friend Michael Matera has a YouTube channel and he has a book called. Gamification, something like that. Something like that. Game like a pirate, explore like a villain. <laughs> Damn, what's Matera's book name? I know, there's so many titles anyway, to remember. Uh, Michael like... Matera, I think it's M-A-T-E-R-A. -E he has a YouTube channel. And then... Um, Doesn't he have a new book coming out? 
he does with the other guy. I was going to say yeah, John. It's all about what's John's last name. Uh, Meehan. John Meehan. Uh, he has They're big on Twitter. Yeah, he has a book called. It's another like edgy roller coaster gaming. Yeah, edu. <laughs> Ed, adrenaline puzzle. or something. Ed, adrenaline rush. That's it. I knew it was some kind of play on words there. As as if it's like a like it's a game. Every like it's it's awesome. It's really incredible. Like the depth to which he has created like layers in games. I remember I was in his He's presentation and I was just like, bro, I don't even know. I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Like my brain doesn't even work like that. I'm just like, nope, nope, yeah. nope. But there were other people that were in there that were like, that's this is exactly game. what yeah. I need to do. And so I think that sometimes that's what we find. So um, Meehan's a great person to go check out. So John Meehan and Michael Matera, they're your go-to guys for that thing. And they actually just wrote a book together that's going to be coming out. Um, that I got asked to write a blurb for, and then I didn't see the Twitter message, so I didn't no. get to it on time. There's so many platforms yeah, to give up on. I know. Um, anyway, he, the other one, uh, Michael Matera's book is Explore Like a Pirate. You Explore Like a Pirate, yes. Okay, our next. No, it's doing something like a pirate. Demon like a pirate. Oh, sick. I Play know. like a pirate. I don't know what our next question is. It's not run like a pirate. Um. You have laugh like a pirate. How about okay. that? There's a good. There's a good. All right, let's go to quick Christopher's question. I just landed a teacher job in a in a vocational high school. Yay! So my first year starts Thursday. Holy crap! Please offer quick advice to someone who hasn't mentally prepared like an academic teacher has. Um, I would say, oh, Christopher. The first of all. I would get my head around being at a vocational high school. That's what I went to. Um, and my friends and I were not very, and look, I, I'm going to, this is my experience. I'm not saying this is the experience of all kids at vocational schools, but I knew what I wanted to do when I was in high school. I wanted to be a woodworker. Uh, I wanted to make custom woodwork or be a carpenter. And that's what I did right after high school. So like going to college or learning English, like there wasn't any like draw to that for me. Like I could have cared less because it was like, no, I'm just going to go like in college. I made more money than any of my friends per hour. Cause I was making like custom wood furniture for like big, big names. Um, that like, it wasn't my shop. It was like, I worked for this really great shop called lush frames in Philadelphia shop, the lush frames. And, uh, they made like Ronald Reagan's oval office chair. They made like, uh, all kinds of stuff. Harrison Ford's we made stuff for Howard Stern. Awesome. We made stuff for So, I was making money. Um, so I didn't care about that. I think if I was going to teach in a vocational school now, entrepreneurial spirit and even ourselves as like growing up and, and changing as much stuff as we have, like growing a business when I didn't go to school for business, it's like, damn, no, like you need to be able to write copy. You need to be able to know like basic accounting. You need to be able to know how to do your taxes. But, and, and there are all these things in school that are going to help you to, to hone those skills because, yeah, you can get out and go do like become a, a bricklayer or you can be a, a plumber or, you know, an a, like uh, HVAC um, technician or something like that. But if you don't know how to run your life, right, like it's more than just the skill running a business takes all these other skills, then that's what I'm going to hone in on. And, and so why are we doing anything becomes really, really important. Anything. 
your rules, policies, procedures, your lessons, how you roll, how you talk to kids, everything has to have a why behind it. And you need to know what that why is. And so you can, you can grow and that can change. Like you don't have to like start the year, like first year, all of a sudden you're going to know why you do anything. But I know why I shake hands at the door. I know why my kids sit in rows. I know why we're doing homework. I know why I don't take late work. I know why I don't take makeup work. I know why um, I listen to, I have music on all the time in my classroom. I know why I joke around with kids all the time. Like I know why everything, I know why I don't call parents when I have trouble with students in school. Um, I know why for everything. And that becomes really, really important. Um, you know, I think the last thing, man, is this, Richard, as you're feeling. Christopher. Christopher. Oh, I saw his lessons, Richard. So that's all right. That's all real quick. Um, Chris, I would say, keep this in mind, that as you are working anxiously towards your, your first day of school, there is some kid that's going to go to your school on that day that is anxious as well. And. For, I'm going to just, I'm, we're going to go super woo on this. Your whole life, you've been sort of like on this trajectory where like your life is taking you down certain paths and to certain places. And so is this individuals. And then one day your paths are going to cross and you will know exactly why you're supposed to be there. When I think of some of the kids that have meant the most to me over the years that like Romina's parents had to move, like had to escape Mexico to come to the U.S. And then they like lived in California and then they lived here and then they ended up going to Camden and she was supposed to be, go to another high school, but then she ended up going to my high school. And now she's like one of my favorite students of all time. I think about, you know, the John Wigfalls and the Donovan Smalls and that was bars. Uh, when I think about the Colleen Sanchez's and all these different students, I've had like the real joy and pleasure of working with um, that kids. I still talk to like decade after they were in high school. Um, that, will remind you immediately and that doesn't take 10 years to figure out who those kids are you can know in the first week or two like damn no i think i'm like part of the reason i'm here is to like help the student figure it out or or like just be a, a, someone to listen to them um or give them a safe space to be who they are or something along those lines i think those that keep that in mind and that will really help you through the first forever i mean my, i think of it now I, I, i'm wondering now in the last few days i've been thinking like Who's going to be in my class this year? Who's going to be like, who are my new homies this year that I'm really going to hang out with the most and, and partner with? Next question is from Caroline. Hi, I'm beginning my first year, first year soon. I'm 22, younger than most of my colleagues and worried about being taken seriously. Any advice for new and young teachers trying to get established? Thanks. <sighs> That's a great question. So uh, I think, uh, Caroline, being... 22 um it can't you know so for sure depending on what grade you're teaching like 22 year olds here, here's the mistake i see a lot of 22 year olds make they will come back in and they'll teach at my high school and they think they're going to be like the kids are going to think they're super cool and they're hip and they're young and they're you know like oh they listen to the same music as me um kids don't care you're old like basically you're like, you're going to die soon because you're, Oh my God, you're already 22. Like, gosh, does your back hurt when you stand up from sitting down at a long time? Like they just have like this, this, they have no sense of like what age is or, or how it works or something like that. So when, so that's one thing um, to just be mindful of. I never told kids when I started teaching how old I was and I never told them, uh, how long I like how old I was, how long I've been teaching, 
where I've taught before because they're just going to assume that you've been teaching for a long time, right? I just don't bring it up. And so that, you know, if a kid asks my age when I was younger, I would say like, well, how old do you think I am? And they'd say, and I'm like, ah, you're probably right. And then that was it. And then I just moved on. Now, I'm, you know, being older, I don't mind telling kids how old I am. But it is, you know, I think you, what other people think of you, what other people's good opinion is other people's good opinion. When you go in and you take your job seriously because you're there for kids, that you're not here for you, that you're not here to be anything for you, right? You're, you're showing up to, to be in relationship with the community in which you're working with and to do good work in that space. That, that changes your mindset because then what all you're doing, like I said earlier, all you're doing isn't for you anyway. It's not for, it's, it's for the, the students that show up in your class. So it is not being taken seriously. I will tell you this. Um, maybe they won't, but you know, Steve Martin has this really great line where they, they were, he was asked like, um, what if you like, what if you want to be like, what, what's your advice to someone that's growing in, in a particular field and like wants to be great in it? And he said, or wants to get, how do you get noticed? Like, how do you get noticed in the music industry? How do you get noticed in comedy? And his answer was to be so good, they can't ignore you. So if you are dead set on focusing on kids, if you're dead set on creating a classroom experience that's immersive, that's fun, that's playful, that's serious sometimes, that is that is raising the bar, that's helping kids to be all that they can be um, and to be who they're called to be in this life, then when you do that, there's no ignoring who you are, what you do. Now, some people will try and downplay that. They'll say it's because you're new. They'll say that it's because you're young. And Oh, you'll see. Oh, it's fun in the beginning. Um how would the, what those people say, right? They're going to say that forever. They still say it now. Um, but it is really trying to focus on what you're there to do for kids and then just focus on that. And then when you do that, you are, you just try you're with, with the dead set intention of being so good that they can't ignore you. The end. What's, what can anyone else say? We good? I did you have one more? It. I did, but I can't find it on here. So I was going to ask it anyway. Okay. Um, Jared is asking, Kolo, do you tell the students that you will give them their um, first day of letters on senior year? Yes. Yeah. So I tell the kids um, that you're writing this to your future self uh, or you're writing this for your future self so that I will show up on graduation day uh, and hand those letters back to you. So and, and part of that is gives them a reason to write it, to hand it in. And also it gives them a reason to write enough. A lot of kids don't want to write a lot. And it, you know, the, the thing is like, it's so, it's so sad because you want to like, when you give something back to someone after they've waited four years and they forgot about it and they have two sentences in there. Or one time I had this kid write school sucks and that was it. And I remember he was so stoked when I gave him his letter and he opened it up and he goes, I was such an idiot. <laughs> I'm so dumb. Like, why didn't I write more than that? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, but I told you to. Like, but I also don't read them, so I don't know how much they write or what they write or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I do tell them because I, I, there are a handful of kids that remember, and they like can't wait for that to happen. It's like having a. Uh, oh, time someone said. I guess Logan asked, "What does the content of the letter have to be about?" Uh, it's I want to. I want them to take a snapshot of who they are right now. Uh. Who, who do you like? 
who are your friends? What sports do you like? What TV shows do you like? What, what movies do you like? What do you do when you're not in school? Who's your best friend? Who do you live with? Where do you live? Um, I have them write things like what's, what is it, something happening in your life right now that you're not sure what the outcome is going to be? So maybe your parents, you're not sure if they're going to stay together. Maybe they're going to get back together. Um, I've had students write about really honest things like, and they've just told me about these things. I guess I don't read the letters. We're like one kid, um, his dad went to jail, uh, when he was six months old, he had never seen his father cause he didn't want him to visit him in high school or, or in jail. And so in November of his freshman year of high school, he would meet his dad for the first time. And so he was looking forward to that. Another kid whose mom was going to have a baby, but she wasn't sure if she was going to have a boy or a girl. Uh, that was it. Another kid that thought that he was going to move another, you know, and then other kids talking about like, what movie are you excited about? Like, is it the new matrix movie? Is it John Wick four? Is it the new season of stranger things? I wonder what's going to happen, putting your predictions down. So it's that sort of thing that gives you a snapshot because in four years, I don't know, are we on stranger things season eight? Are we, is it over? Like what's happening with that? Uh, so it gives you, it's it really is an exercise in showing you how much things change over time and that you know this stuff doesn't last forever that it cool that's it for today gang um we are the so for those of you that are going to school for the first time tomorrow i want you to remember to one the anxiety that you're feeling is the same feeling that it feels to be excited so just tell yourself you feel excited Try to get a good night's sleep. Um, you know, don't worry about everything. You know, remember this, that like teaching is the only job in the world that people think they have to be perfect on the first day. And it's not true. Um, you're going in to try stuff, to pivot, to connect with students and to help them out. That's it. Show up for kids and you got it. It's not about you anyway. It's about students. And what um, the reason I say that all the time is not so you can like forget about yourself. Um, like we shouldn't be like teaching kids and like, like killing ourselves doing it. But if your focus is on service, if your focus is on relationships, if your focus is on helping someone else, that helps squash some of the anxiety because you're not showing up trying to look the best anyway. You're showing up looking for kids that need something and that's gonna be everything. And then, um, yeah. And then I, we have, oh, I'll tell them about, about that later. Uh, but that's it for this week, gang. We'll see you next week at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Facebook and YouTube. And that's it, gang. Peace. No, I didn't have a, I didn't have an end thing there. I was not sure what to do. We'll go with. That's all teacher class stuff. Yeah. Or I'll, like workshops. I'll just put the timer back on. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>